it's got to be nice being a quarterback when you've got a six foot five target who could make contested one handed grabs. And I think the Miami Hurricanes are going to need every bit of Colby Young this Saturday against Duke. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code Locked on at sweatblock.com, and it's also available on Amazon. Bringing in our special guest from this episode, Malik Rozier, former Miami Hurricanes quarterback, is with us. He also hosts post game with me on the Hurricanes Radio Network. Malik, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. You know, I'm in Tampa right now. Uh, my business partner is finally getting his office up, so I'm excited to uh, be here working every day. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this Saturday. You know, I drive down, um, actually, probably gonna drive down tomorrow night. So uh, excited to be in Miami. Uh, and I'm always excited to work with you, Malik. And so, okay, something we've seen over the last couple of weeks, transfer from Lackawanna Junior College, six foot five, number 88, Colby Young. He's emerged uh, as, you know, against North Carolina, he just burst on the scene in one drive. And then against Virginia Tech, he really emerged as the number one target, caught nine balls for 110 yards. Two of those were one-handed grabs, had a long touchdown, had a 37-yard grab in that game. Uh, and, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Daryl Langham, who you played with at Miami, who obviously caught some huge passes from you, including that game winner against Florida State and a game-saving catch against Georgia Tech. So to have a guy like Colby Young, who's got that sort of size, which differentiates him from Miami's other receivers, what's it like to have a target like that? Yeah, you definitely love that as a quarterback. You know, there's a lot of times where, um, you know, even with guys like Daryl, and I can think about times like Amon, like Amon was a 6'1", 6'2", receiver. So he was a bigger guy. You know, you would think, you know, throw the ball high and away and let those guys basically post out those smaller DBs, especially when you have DBs that are like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, when you get guys that are 6'1 and up, really 6'2 and up. Um, those those defensive backs have a have a hard time really controlling them. Um, so I think it's a great job of him just having great body control because I feel like that's one thing that big guys don't have. They're really good at going up, but I feel like he's really good at not only going up, but also, you know, coming down with the ball, controlling the ball. You know, I think one of the best I've ever seen um, is is George Pickens. I was lucky enough to be around him. And Kobe Young has definitely shown me a lot of spurts of, of George Pickens with the one-hand grabs, you know, the, the the ability to come down with the ball consistently. So um, it's really nice to see the body control that he has once the ball hits his hand and be able to just come down with it. You know, one of the most common questions that I get about Colby is people want to know, like, why did it take five weeks for him to burst on the scene and get involved? And I think a lot of people want to blame coaching on that just like how did they not see the talent this guy had earlier but you know I've, I've spoken with Colby and I've spoken about Colby with coaches over the last couple weeks and like you know he was a very late transfer portal guy came in in late July which means he he, got, he arrived just in time for fall camp but he missed the opportunity to do a lot of like the sort of off program 
workouts with Tyler that other receivers were doing. And Colby said it himself, like it was a big adjustment uh, from junior college into, you know, an ACC power five team and learning a new offense. So I kind of understand why it took him several weeks to burst on the scene. Uh, you can speak on that better than most Malik in terms of like, you get a guy who's kind of thrust in, right before fall camp, you know, in a completely new environment. He also talked about having to adjust just to the weather down here in South Florida because he was playing in upstate New York before. I mean, are you surprised it took several weeks for Colby to kind of get acclimated? No, not at all. I think, you know, the first thing that a lot of coaches worry about, especially if you have a kid from up north coming down, is, you know, the heat, his conditioning. Is he going to be able to withstand drives? And I, and I know that probably took him a couple of weeks just to get used to, like, you know, consistently running full speed in this kind of heat, this weather, this humidity. Um, but secondly, he has to learn a new offense, you know. Um, I think you hit it on that right on the head. Um, it is hard because, you know, plays that he was learning at his last college might have the same name at Miami, but the play is totally different. So, like, what I call Dino at Miami – Georgia might call Dino the same name, but the play is totally different. So in his mind, you know, I have to flip my brain, not on what I knew, but what I'm now learning. So that too, you know, takes kids time to adjust to. Um, I know there was a couple of plays in Rick's offense that were similar to the, the plays that James Coley had. And it took me personally a couple of times like when I would hear it, I would have to flip my mind and say, no, it's not outside zone. That's actually a pass now. So that that is definitely happening. You know, kids are learning. Um, not only is he learning, you know, um, obviously new plays, but he's also learning, you know, at, at, at campus, these guys are also um, students at the end of the day. So it's a lot going from a junior college to one of the biggest and, and, and best universities out here. So um, I'm definitely glad that he adjusted that fast because he definitely has had an impact on us. What position would you say is like the easiest to adjust quickly? Is it running back? Cause like Miami and not that he gets used a whole yeah. lot, but Lucius Stanley like transferred during the season and he's getting a little bit of burn here. Like I running back seems like the easiest position to kind of plug and play. Yeah. Running back super easy. Um, just because you can simplify for running back. So you can say, Hey, we're going to go inside zone, outside zone power. And then if you want to get him in pass pro, you just do a couple of pass pros. So you do full line slides. Maybe you add like a tight end in, you do a seven man pro, things like that. But yeah, usually running back is probably the easiest. I would say outside running back, and I know they're probably going to hate this, is probably defensive end. Um, okay. I feel like just because if you have a young, talented defensive end, you can put him there on third down and say, hey, you're going to bull rush or high rush. You know what I mean? So those to me are the two positions that you can easily integrate. Um, obviously I know defensive and defense line, there's a ton of stunts like, you know, T and T they do all types of hand stuff. So like, I don't disrespect that position, but I think from just like a physical lineup and just smash from one defensive end on defense is probably the easiest. Malik Rozier, former Miami Hurricanes quarterback is with us and don't worry later in this episode, cause we've had a couple of requests. I do want to walk down memory lane with Malik because he um, he was a part of a couple of the biggest victories in recent memory uh, in Miami Hurricanes football. So I'd love to get the memories on those. But here's something I wanted to follow up on with you, because the last time we had you unlocked on Canes, it was a few weeks back and Tyler Van Dyke was struggling. Right. Mm -hmm. It was either I think it was the week right after the Middle Tennessee game was the last time we spoke to you on this show. And he's bounced back in a big way. I mean, 496 yards against North Carolina, 352 and a, and a victory against Virginia Tech. Uh, I know Colby Young isn't the only reason why Tyler has turned his fortunes around. So what else have you seen in terms of what Tyler is doing and also what the offensive coaches have done? What have been the big differences? 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one, I would say, I think that Tyler finally has his confidence back. Um, I think you're starting to see that that confidence not only be present in him, but now you see it starting to flow on some of the receivers. You know, you're not seeing as many drops. You're seeing more big plays. You're seeing more consistent catching. Um, so I'm definitely excited about that. But I, I want to see that next step. You know, I mean, uh, obviously going into the last couple of weeks, really North Carolina, we had the two weeks off. So you can definitely tell that the offense is gelled, that they've kind of figured out like what their new adjustment is. But if you don't think that Duke is studying what we've been doing for the last two weeks and what the difference between, you know, the last the first four weeks and these last two, like that's all they're going to study. What are the new maybe 10 to 15 plays or, 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 or formations that Gaddis put in that's been successful? And they're going to do their very best job in start, stopping that because one thing I can say about Duke, they're super smart. And so that to me is going to be the interesting factor on this is they're not going to be super athletic, but what you're good at, they're going to do their best to take it away. So a lot of the vertical game. I'm, so I'm, I'm very interested to see how this staff adjusts for, for this week because this is going to be a uh, interesting challenge. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And I want to get into that challenge when we come back because and Duke offensively, and that's really where they make their bones, right? Mm -hmm. With Riley Leonard. He is the straw that stirs the drink. So we're going to talk about Duke's quarterback. We're going to talk about Duke's running game. Uh, so keep it locked here to Locked on Canes. Malik Rozier joins us. We're guys. We sweat a lot. And unfortunately for me, I think I sweat more than most. You know, when I do play-by-play -play for MMA events and I'm wearing a suit and I'm under the hot TV lights for like eight hours, these things go, I get these embarrassing pit stains. Uh, at least I used to because, guys, I was able to fix this issue with sweat block. Sweat block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It's a doctor-created and doctor-recommended product, guys. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, you need to try SweatBlock. And you can save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. So promo code LOCKEDON. And you can be like me, because if not for SweatBlock, I would be like, you know, there'd be like drops just like coming off of my face right now. It was not a pretty sight, my friend. So make sure you check out SweatBlock. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So we'll circle back to Miami's offense attacking Duke's defense. But Malik is a, a quarterback and a quarterback aficionado. I'm sure you appreciate what Riley Leonard is doing with Duke. I mean, he's top five in the ACC in passing, but he's number six in the country in quarterback running, averaging 60-plus yards rushing per game. And we saw early in the season Miami for the first couple few games, couple games, because obviously Texas A&M didn't have a running threat at quarterback. Miami was struggling to contain mobile quarterbacks. They did do a better job couple weeks ago, uh, you know, against uh, Drake May at Carolina, obviously he put up big yardage, but Miami did a better job with contain, I thought, in that game. They're really going to be tested this week, Malik. So what has stood out to you about Riley Leonard? Um, accuracy and toughness. You know, the, the, the kid throws really accurate balls. Um, I think one thing that he does a really good job of is ball placement um, because I think he understands that, you know, he, his, his receivers – Yes, he has athletes, but most teams that he plays, he's not going to have the most athletic receivers. You know what I mean? So he kind of has that Tom Brady effect to where my receivers are good enough to get separation, but I got to be great at giving them ball placement. Because if you watch a lot of his throws, especially in man coverage, it's a lot of bang, bang plays. It's ball placements outside. As soon as the kid catches it, you know, the guy's getting tackled. 
Um, so that's where he does a really good job. And then obviously we talked about he runs the ball. You know what I mean? When you're a running quarterback, like I know you get banged up, you get hit hard, you get hit late. Um, the fact that he's able to 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 run the ball as much as he does, <clears throat> even though I don't I don't think people understand. Um, he doesn't to me, he's not like a like the um, quarterback for Florida State or like a DJ, but he's almost like more like the Joe Burrow type where he will run randomly and they do have some run plays for him. But it's more pocket breakdown, you know, third and medium kind of what I was worried about last week and the last couple of weeks is, you know, third and medium. Those guys really getting their legs involved um, in the run game. Um, also, he's actually a QB country guy. Um, so the guy that trained me, David Morris, uh, trained uh, Riley. I mean, I'm pretty sure since he was about 10 or 12 years old, um, he now trains up in North Carolina. So he'll start training with Boone. So there's a lot of uh, QB country rivalry. I've already talked to David about it. Um, and so we've already talked about the uh, Duke-Miami game. Oh, that's really interesting stuff. And so, okay, what have you seen these last couple of weeks from Miami's defense? Because I thought from the second half of the North Carolina game, which, and you know, I know people look at how many yards Drake May threw for, how many points Miami gave up. It was like a tale of two halves because I, I think they only gave up a little over 100 total yards in the second half. And, you know, they were able to carry that over uh, against Virginia Tech. Now, obviously, Virginia Tech's offense is really bad, uh, but Miami's pass rush has looked really incredible. Uh, throughout the year, Akeem Mesidor, one of the best players in the country. And at least last week, Malik, they didn't have any of those costly coverage breakdowns. So can they continue that trend? Do you see Miami's defense trending up? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I will say that I definitely think they did a big, a, a better job. But there's a concept on defense called bend, don't break. Um, you know, it's a concept that, you know, like they can drive the field, but they don't get in the end zone. We'll let them kick a field goal. We'll let them punt us back. And I think that they're starting to understand that, you know, if they have one big play on offense, you know, don't don't shut down mentally. Like, don't let them get in the red zone. You're like, oh, man, they're in the red zone. Like, no, like bend. OK, it's fine to bend, but don't break. So I feel like, you know, that's kind of where um, they've gotten better at is, you know, stopping uh, teams when they're closer to the red zone. Um, but I'm but I'm definitely interested in this week because, like I said, Duke's going to be smart. You know, if we have any holes in the defense, you know, there were a couple throws that I saw last week that <clears throat> should have been completions that were behind guys. And, you know, Riley Leonard's not going to miss those. So that to me is where um, obviously we we see how good we are. But like the mistakes, the couple mistakes that we had, like if we let that happen versus Duke, they do have a good enough quarterback that he will hit those throws. Not saying that he'll just throw like Drake May did, but there were one or two throws that the guys were open that I did see Virginia Tech miss. So. I mean, I know uh, Coach Dill and, and, and Coach Charlie Strong will do their best to get those guys right. And you can see the improvement week by week, <clears throat> week by week, especially from like the linebacker position. Um, to me, that was one that I see guys like Corey Flagg making play and even um, Wesley. You know, I'm seeing him making plays left and right. And to me, that's really good because I mean, when I was playing, the guys that were making the most plays were Shaq Quarterman, Mike Pink. Like those were the guys that were flying all over the field, making the tackles. Um, so to me, it's see, um, it's it's good to see those guys uh, making more plays out there. Yeah, I, I see. Uh, to admit it, I haven't checked the line today, Wednesday, but the line earlier in the week was Miami favored by eight and a half. I think that's too much. Um, I, I, if I'm going to try to figure out why the Hurricanes were favored by so much, I think it's because on paper. Duke's biggest strength is their overall rushing attack, right? They average about 206 rushing yards per game, and then Miami's biggest strength kind of plays into that in stopping the run. They've got a top 13 
rushing defense in the country. So if I'm trying to sort of channel my inner Las Vegas, I'm thinking they look at, you know, the defense usually wins those battles the way they see it. So they're probably thinking the Canes can make Duke one dimensional. Uh, is that oversimplifying it, though? Because you also talk yeah. about Riley Leonard as a passer. But if Miami can take the running game away for the most part and make them one dimensional, uh, can that be the way they win this game? Yeah, um, I think that's how you win most games. But even so, I think that Riley Leonard's a guy that um, obviously I don't think he's a Bryce Young and he, he does have a ton of talent. Um, but he is a guy like if you let the kid get hot because he will not only throw accurate balls, but he'll run. You know what I mean? Like he he's he'll extend plays. He'll make plays with his feet. Um, so he is someone, you know, I, 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 I think the true term of one dimensional to me is where um, you don't let the quarterback or running back run. Um, and I think that's going to be the true part, because even if we do let him go pass game and he's because what they're going to do to me is going to be simple. They're going to dink and dunk kind of what Middle Tennessee did. Try to get in third and mediums, take your shots. And then they're going to allow Riley to say, hey, you only have to pick up three or four downs if you have to run. You know what I mean? So to me, that's where um, he is someone that I don't think he'll be able to do it consistently the entire game. Um, but if we don't if we don't take take out the run game from them, it is going to be a very long game because they do have a very efficient offense. So as far as Miami attacking Duke's defense, Duke is in the the bottom third of the country. They give up 402.1 yards per game. They give up 260 passing yards per game. Uh, based on the way Van Dyke has played the last couple of weeks, maybe we expect Miami to put up even more than 260. Uh, how do you see the matchups playing out for Miami offensively, and is this going to be another big Colby Young game? Yeah, so I honestly um... – hope we run the ball a lot to, to be honest with you you know i i love that we're throwing you know i think that you know i i i do hope tyler throws for over 250 yards and i hope you know like there's a lot of love spread throughout but i also feel like we can't allow our team to become one-dimensional just because they're not good at you know the past game and, and people have thrown for x amount it doesn't mean that you shouldn't play to your strengths like i think mario and them want to have a run dominant team yes we're good at the past game but like we don't want to abandon the run. Um, there's too much that goes into it between like time management, the time you get the defense off the field, um, just small things like that that trickle over, especially when it gets to third and fourth quarter. If you've been throwing the ball primarily the, the whole first half, you know, your defense isn't going to be off the field very long. Because if you go three and out, that could be like 15, 20 seconds. But if you're running the ball, that can be a minute and a half, two, three minutes real time that now your defense kind of gets that break. Um, so I think, no, I'd, I'd – I hope that the offense is clicking, at least from the past game, but I would love to see the run game run for like 250, 300 yards. You know, yeah, I think you got to feed the backs. I think we have some of the best backs in the ACC um, yeah. and, and and you just got to feed them. You know, um, I mean, I know there was there was games where, you know, Joe Yearby and Mark didn't have the best games, um, at least that was, but they were still some of the best backs. And then when we did feed them, you know, in other games like they they showed up, they made huge plays. Um, so I don't think the fact that, you know, we've had the last couple games, which the run game wasn't as successful as we wanted it to be. I don't think we should abandon it. I, I, I think that we should definitely address it and, and, and figure out how to make our run game better so that it complements our pass game. You know what I mean? Because whenever we play Clemson, like we're not going to be able to be just passing. Like we got to show that we can run because then it opens up RPO game. It opens up play action. You get safeties down. You know, you change the coverage. Now teams are running more quarters. So now you do have more shots that you can take. So it, it definitely changes up how people at least address your team whenever you're a run, I don't want to say heavy team, but a run efficient, uh, run efficient team. So the last couple of weeks, out of necessity, they've become a pass-heavy team again. I do hear from Canes fans who are worried that Mario wants to make it such a quote-unquote smash-mouth 
type of team that they think it's going to like hurt recruiting because South Florida players don't want to play that style. But I mean, I, I think Malik, they want the identity to be a balanced offense, right? Like I, I don't think they want it to just be let's, you know, let's run like a pre-World War II offense where we run it 45 times and there's no forward passes. Like, you know, like they, they want their offense to look more like Georgia's offense uh, that they want to run that power spread. They just, you know, haven't necessarily had the right players to execute it to the fullest. Yeah, no. And I can say from being at Georgia, to me, that's that's the best kind of offense to run because they have enough athletes where if, if Georgia needs to go, you know, if we need to pass it because our run game is struggling, we can. But that's not their identity. You know, they have the ability to, which obviously Miami has shown, like we have the ability if we need to just say, hey, we got to air it out and throw for three or four hundred yards. We can do that. But that's not who I want to create as an identity, because to me, whenever you have just pure air raid teams, most of the time they're really soft. Um, I've talked about it plenty of times. To me, run game is hat placement and mentality. It's you literally whipping the guy in front of you. And and I guess if, if, if you haven't been on a nine on seven inside run drill, then like you won't understand how like intense those drills get. So it's like to me, it's almost about the mindset of the run game than it is the run game itself. You know what I mean? Like you you you, you set the tempo like like a lot of people talk about the Notre Dame game. You watch that game. We set the tempo in the run game like I didn't even throw the ball in the entire second half. So the run game is very important. It, it is very demoralizing by defense because, to me, run game is mano a mano. And if you're winning in the run game, you're literally just pushing grown men around on the field. You mentioned that Notre Dame game. We got a question about that 2017 game, which was one of the coolest experiences at Hard Rock Stadium. I want to ask the quarterback himself about that right after we talk about the awesome folks at LinkedIn Jobs. Guys, these days, every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've been on the other side of it, guys. I've received jobs through LinkedIn Jobs. Employers found me there. You add your job with the purple hiring hashtag frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making locked on canes. Your first listen today, part of the awesome locked on podcast network, your team every day. Uh, so I wanted to send a shout out to uh, one of our listeners who's in Indiana Johnny, I was trying to find his name. I want to send a shout out to Johnny, who's a big Canes fan living in Indiana, surrounded by fighting Irish fans. And so he he wanted me to ask you, Malik, about what that Notre Dame game was like from your your perspective. Now, you mentioned not even having to throw the football in the second half. But what was that whole experience and winning that game like for you? You know, that game was actually a uh, <laughs> a pretty funny experience. Um you know, it was definitely surreal. Um, you know, I, I've I've obviously played in a lot of Miami football games and I've been to a lot of them, but I've never seen, you know, the crowd that electric. Like I remember like going to warm-ups and the stadium was halfway filled just during like the 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 pregame warm-ups. You know what I mean? I was like, Yeah, this game's gonna be packed. And 
obviously being at night was really cool. Like, like the, the, the night effect of being in the stadium and just looking up and, and seeing all the fans that were there. Like I've, that was, that was probably one of the first times that I seriously felt like it was almost like electricity was like flowing through my body. Cause that's how much like adrenaline was like pumping. Um, so yeah, I mean, beating them was, was, was great. You know, I think that um, whenever we lost to them in the previous years, um, when we went to Notre Dame, we felt like we should have beat them. We had the, the the last minute fumble in the red zone that literally somehow between two of our defenders, Deshaun Kaiser somehow like hops on. Um, so like we felt like we owed them. Um, obviously, everyone's hyping up the convicts versus Catholics. Like everywhere I turned on TV, there was it was blasting all over. Um, so I think it was at the point to where, you know, we got tired of losing and, and, and we just said enough's enough. Like we're not going to let you come into our house. And then obviously we heard about the respect, disrespectful stuff that they did in the middle of the U and. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a great feeling to actually uh, finally beat them in so long. What about the Florida State win that year with the the touchdown? Like, hey, this was five years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Malik Rozier to Daryl Langham. Like, well, what was going through your mind when you threw that pass? Yeah, you know, um, honestly, I was just like, which side looks better? The safety cheated to the field. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give Daryl Langham a shot. Um, I just remember saying, I, I got to make sure this is outside to where, like, if he does miss it, it's not a pick. Like, that was literally what was going through my head. Like, if I miss, I want to miss on the outside. Because if I miss on the inside, then the DB has a better chance. So that was that was it. And that's literally why it turned into a back shoulder was because, you know, I was thinking miss outside. That's how the DB over the top. And I was like, hey, I'm going to give my guy a chance. So, um it was it was crazy to me. It was more um, after the touchdown, you know, once we all ran on the field, it was like the locker room. Like, I, I mean, I saw guys crying, like older guys crying because they finally beat Florida State. Um, you know, I saw my family. So um, I was born in Tallahassee Memorial. Um, my first Miami game ever was Miami versus Florida State when uh, – uh man Jacory Harris threw the touchdown to uh Travis Benjamin in, in in the in the corner I was right there in that yeah. corner um so I was there for that game that was my first ever Miami game so to like beat them at my first time playing in Doke like that was that to me was really special like also do people understand that my sisters were Florida State fans so when I came from out the tunnel my entire family stepmom dad sisters they were all wearing um miami stuff so it was really cool to me to see you know like they were against the rival team like i remember being young and like you know like the miami fsu was split like the girls were fsu me and my dad were miami you know and like it was cool to see that now that i was playing for miami to see like my family support me even though for a long time you know miami was their rival but to see them support me was definitely a, a special experience that is so cool. He's Malik Rozier. Thank you for spending some time with us. So huge shout out to Johnny in Indiana. Stay strong up there, surrounded by those Notre Dame fans. And I also I wanted to send a shout out to this dude, uh, H. Garcia. Uh, I don't know what his full first name is, but H. Garcia is his Twitter name. He's the one who left us uh, an iTunes podcast review from Macau. And I was asking like on Twitter, I'm like, do we really have somebody listening from Macau or is this a VPN thing? No, he's actually over there. He lives over in Macau. So long distance shout out. I don't know what time it is when you're going to be listening to this, if it's like three in the morning or whatever out there. But thank you for the support from the Far East and uh, and go Canes. Malik, thank you so much. Make sure you guys follow Malik Rozier at Malik Rozier 12 on Twitter. Uh, and thanks so much, man. We'll be talking to you again. I'll talk to you after hopefully another win against Duke this week. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
Great stuff as always. And guys, make sure you make Locked On ACC your second listen. Host Candace Cooper does an awesome job taking you around the conference in 30 minutes. I join Candace every Thursday, so watch out for me on Locked On ACC tomorrow. And thank you for making us your first listen. We'll talk to you again on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.